Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we're glad you've joined us today. I'm particularly glad you've joined us today because I want to talk about something that just happened a few months ago in my own life, and I want to give you um, an inkling of what it was. So I was having a very uncomfortable conversation, very uncomfortable conversation with someone I really cared about. And the conversation got worse, and as it got worse, I became very discouraged. And I don't know about you, but if I'm tired, and this was late afternoon, early evening, I'm tired, and if the conversation gets away with away from me, as this one did, in a sense that I felt discouraged, maybe even forlorn. And then the conversation was over, and dinner was had, and it was time to go to bed, And I love my bed. My husband says that I love my bed better than any place in the whole world. And I kind of think I do. And you notice I called it my bed, not our bed. Because he's very happy to sleep in the way I like our bed to be, which is a certain kind of sheet and the pillows. And it's very, as you might guess, my black and white person, um, a very orderly place. But I could not go to sleep. I could not go to sleep. The conversation had brought such angst to my heart that I could not go to sleep. And I tossed and I turned, but only a little. Because many years ago, I heard Amy Carmichael um, quoted as what looks like a mountain in the middle of the night. In the morning with Jesus, it's only a molehill. And that came into my head, and I got up, and I went to my prayer chair, and I sat down. And there's a picture of me on the front of the website. So go and look at it, and you'll see my little head with my muffler around my neck and a big comforter. And that's what happened to me. There was the physical comfort of the lightweight comforter. But there was the physical presence of Christ, who is the comforter. It tells us in so many places in the scripture that he is the comforter. In Isaiah, he says, I am, I am he, your comforter. In, in the Old Testament, in the book of Ruth, he tells us through Ruth that he would give new life and that she would find the comforter when she was old and through her daughter-in-law. The word comforter is used in the Old Covenant and in the New Covenant. And when I think of Christ the Comforter, I think of that feeling of a comforter. It is warm. It is spacious. It covers my whole body, not just a little part of my body. I have a wonderful afghan that I have on one of the sofas in our living room. And it's very cozy. It's beautifully made. It's, it's kind of an heirloom piece, but it doesn't quite cover my whole body, and I have to put it on an angle to get it wrapped around my toe so that it comes over my shoulder. You know what I mean? It just doesn't quite, but when I put the comforter on, it spreads all around me. The book of Lamentations talks about spread forth hath Zion her hands. There is 
no comforter for her, but Jehovah will change that. John tells us, but the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send. And if you have watched any of the current series called The Chosen, you will have these great insights and glimpses into passages of Scripture. And I watched one or two early on, and it was Peter, Peter who I always liken myself to, because he was always trying to fix things. He had another idea, and as soon as that idea was finished or was quelched, he had another idea. And he's walking up boldly to Jesus and saying, hey, so when are we going to get this stuff going around here? What's next? He's just been called. But right before that is that account in the book of Luke where he has been out fishing all night. His friends come to help him. They caught nothing. Not one fish or two fish. They caught nothing. And the chosen pictorially offers it as Jesus standing on the shoreline when the two ships come back in. They're just rowboats. They come back in. They're discouraged. They're tired. They've been out all night. And Jesus says to Peter, would it be okay if I went out on your boat and stood in it and finished my teaching because the crowd is going? And Peter says, I've had a long day. I've had a long night and I haven't caught anything. And Andrew kind of gives them a poke in the ribs. And finally he says, okay, if it won't take too long. So Jesus climbs aboard the little fishing boat, finishes his teaching to the crowd on the beach. And then he's, he, he prays or he says a word. And the boat, he says, cast your net in on the other side. And Jesus said, Peter says to Jesus, but I did that. I already did that. No, cast it in on the other side and do it now. The net cannot hold it. His friends come rushing over. There are five of them trying to get one net full of fish into the boat. The boat tips to the right. It is so heavy. They've never seen bigger, better, more fish in their lifetime. Peter gets out of the water and he looks at Jesus and he says, you are the Messiah. And he falls his face like he falls flat on his face. So powerful. And I thought, Jesus, the Messiah, the comforter. Now the chosen has taken its liberties by saying that Peter got himself in a fix with the Roman government. And frankly, ah, it's a likely story the way Peter lived his life. He got himself in a fix with the Roman government. He's got to get out of the fix or the Roman government is going to come and put him in prison. And now that has been fixed and saved. And Peter is being called to follow Jesus. I don't want you to follow Jesus just because there's a warm, comfortable comforter who will always surround you and always be with you. But I want you to know that that hope that he brings is just like that comforter. And this night when I couldn't sleep, and I tossed a bit and then turned and then got up and got into my chair and got under my comforter, I was led to read a bit from one of my favorite authors, Eugene Peterson, and the book that he wrote called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That's a Nietzsche remark, if you're interested in it, that Peterson took and named this book. And he refers me to Psalm 130, 
Psalm 130. And in this psalm, we see a lot of waiting and watching, waiting and watching, waiting and watching till morning, waiting and watching. I think that's where we are right now. Americans are waiting and watching. Sometimes we're not waiting very patiently. Sometimes we're not watching for the comforter. We're watching for some political party or some outspoken spokesperson to help us, to change us, to offer something for us. And I want to bring you to Psalm 130 and ask you to recognize the fact that a Christian is a person who decides to face and live through suffering. That's what we're in the middle of, a tremendous amount of suffering. I do not know anyone personally who died from the COVID, but I know several people who have had serious illnesses and passed between the illness and the COVID. Um, Painful to their families, but we know how many have died and we know how many of those family members are going through suffering. You know there's an American myth that denies suffering and the sense of pain. It acts as if they should not be, and hence it devalues the experience of suffering. But this myth denies our encounter with reality. Suffering happens to us. Suffering happens to us. And we're not asking Christ to take away the suffering. Suffering will always be here. And I've been reading um, in Luke quite a lot lately. And as I read through it, I see many places that in the book of Luke, he uses the word devil. <laughs> and I laughed one day as I read it, because as a speaker, I remember being on the platform and thinking, you can't say devil, because devil is a word. What do we conjure up? This, you know, guy in a red suit and horns and a pitchfork. I mean, that's really not... But as I read through Luke, I was realizing that's what it is. It's the devil. It's an evil power. It's a power that is loose in the world, and God has allowed it to be loose in the world. And that power does bring suffering into our life. God will not change all of our suffering. God will not come and intervene and say, because you love Jesus, you won't have any suffering. Suffering is a part of our thinking, and none of our positive thinking can say that it'll go away because I determined it to go away. George MacDonald put it in an enigmatic way by saying, the Son of God suffered unto death, not that men might not suffer, but that their sufferings might be like his. In this Psalm 130, eight times In a few short verses, eight times the name of God is spoken. Eight times God, God, God. Eight times in this one psalm. God participates in our suffering by sympathy, implying that he is really present in our midst. This means again that he will and should not be that he wills to remove it. He did not take away my sadness, my pain. He came and brought comfort to it. He helped me to close my eyes and run to him and recognize that he would throw the biggest, widest, lightest, warmest comforter around my entire personhood, my brain and my heart and my body, and he would bring comfort to me 
in the suffering. Suffering is real and God is real. And the psalm calls us to wait and to watch. Peterson says these words, the words wait and hope are connected with the image of the watchman waiting through the night for the dawn. I don't know about you, but I've never been a watchman, but I've been a mother of a small child. I've been the aunt of many small children and the babysitter of young women who needed a night's break when my husband and I would take the children to our own homes, to our own home to watch them. That's what a watchman is, a person who stays up all night and watches out for what needs to be taken care of. The words wait and hope are connected with the image of the watchman waiting through the night for the dawn. The connection provides important insight for the person in trouble who cries out. But surely there is something for me to do. That is my weakest cry. Can't I fix this? What can I do next? How can I make this better? But there surely is something that I must do. Yes, there is something that I must do. There is something that you must do. There's something that God calls all of us to do, and that is to be a watchman, to wait and to watch, to wait and to watch. As you have waited for the dawn, no doubt, as you have waited for something to pass, no doubt, you became the watchman. I want to read the, the psalm to you. Psalm 130, a psalm full of hope. Help God, the bottom has fallen out of my life. Master, hear my cry for help. Listen hard, open your ears, listen to my cries for mercy. If you, God, kept records on wrongdoings, who would stand a chance? As it turns out, forgiveness is your habit. Oh, And that's why... You are worshipped. I pray to God my life a prayer and wait for what you'll say and do. My life's on the line before God, my Lord, waiting and watching till morning, waiting and watching till morning. O Israel, wait and watch for God. With God's arrival comes love. With God's arrival comes generous redemption. No doubt about it. He'll redeem Israel. Buy back Israel from the captivity to sin. Did you hear a couple of those phrases that are quite familiar around modern homemakers this year? The psalmist is saying, listen hard, open your ears. Can you hear my cries for mercy? He can hear our cries for mercy. And he does come to comfort us. And he calls us to put our lives on the line before God. That's what I was doing that night. I needed someone to comfort me. I couldn't stay in bed and toss and turn. There was no fixing the conversation. There was no fixing the problem. My husband and I had prayed together. And what I was doing that night was waiting and watching. I didn't wait and watch till morning, but I waited and watched for a long time. And as I waited and watched, I felt such a calm and such an assurance and such a reminder that the Lord is the great comforter. And when Jesus was here on earth and his disciples were so happy to have him so close and available all the time, and when it came to time that he told them, I must go away, and they were very upset. But Jesus said to them, I must go away so someone better, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, can come.
And I pray during these ragged end days of pandemic and pain and death and political division that you will remember the great Texas two-step love God, love others, and look for the comforter to comfort you. I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers. This is November, and we are talking all things getting ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Advent. Look for some household hints. Look for some uh, treasured memories and some Christmas activities as we begin to look at Advent together as a group. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of trusting the comforter.